Hello, everybody. Welcome to Novelty Drive. My name is Lee Cook, and I'm the host. This is the very first episode, the very first podcast, the very first time I'm trying this out. The idea behind Novelty Drive is to create these isolated instances of novelty. Novelty in this case meaning the quality of being new, original, or unusual. These instances of novelty are going to be person-based. I'm going to reach out to a bunch of people, as many people of note that I can possibly think of and can find any kind of contact information for, Twitter, emails, phone numbers, whatever, anything I can find, that's what I'm going to pursue. The bigger the name, the higher the amount of novelty. However, the smaller the name, the higher amount of maybe surprising novelty that can come from it. My plan is to try to contact comedians, other podcasters, um, musicians, famous lawyers, CEOs of big companies, authors, maybe members of religious organizations. However, you do not need to be famous to make the cut. I will also be exploring lesser-known people of great success, CEOs of smaller companies, um, doctors in the local area, things like that, people that you can really look at them and decide on a professional level. They're successful in pursuing the thing that they have a passion for. So for them, the success is their novelty, and for me, the... Um, agreeing to even meet or talk, preferably on Skype. My plan is to do these 15-minute Skype interviews. Maybe as it goes, it, it, as the podcast grows, um, maybe more face-to-face interviews. Maybe I'll be able to meet with some of the people I'm reaching out to. But I think 15-minute Skype interview is a pretty unobtrusive amount of time for somebody that has a set schedule, somebody that has a lot of people wanting their attention, somebody that frankly probably has a lot of people doing the exact same thing as me trying to, you know, uh, fight everybody for their for their attention. So hopefully 15 minutes is a good number. If anybody can't do 15, obviously I'll lower it. It's going to try to be these quick, concise interviews where my mind is blown that the person's even talking to me and hopefully the person talking to me, um, maybe they're they're they get something out of it and being able to you know ag- agree to step outside of what it what their own world for a little bit so the first portion of this is to get in contact with Dustin Marshall i don't know if you know who Dustin Marshall is if you're into podcasts you should Dustin Marshall is the founder of the Feral Audio podcast network a um, lot of great podcasts were on the Feral Audio Podcast Network. It isn't around anymore, but a lot of the podcasts still are. Harmontown, um, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, Dumb People Town, I'm pretty sure. Feral Audio was a big podcast podcast network, and it was founded by this guy, Dustin Marshall. I don't know Dustin, but I do follow him on Twitter, and I saw him tweet the following... $150 to hire me for a podcast consultation. We develop a creative strategy, get your audio sounding like feral audio, with a follow-up a month later where I'll direct you to who will help you grow and monetize. 
don't care who you are, $150. And then his email at the bottom. So I'm recording this right now. I am going to send Dustin my pitch as and and see what he says from there. I'm going to pay him the $150 because that seems to be a necessary expense in this. And in the meantime, I'm going to be reaching out to as many people as possible. I've already started. I have figured out how to route Skype and everything to be recorded right on my interface on my computer. And I will... It'll be instant for you, but for me, there's going to be some work that happens from this second to the next one. I hope this will be an interesting journey, and I hope that you stick around with it. Oh, and another thing. I'm going to be setting up social media pages for the podcast, so as it grows in popularity, if anyone is a fan or anything like that, my idea is to randomly reach out to the followers, people that like the podcast, people that have tweeted about it or whatever, and get them on. And maybe even they can act as a co-host or something like that, which furthers the net of um, novelty. So now suddenly you could be Joe Schmo, and I'll call you. This is a very exaggerated example. This isn't anything that I am saying is a definite uh, probability or possibility even. But say you're following the Twitter, I tweet at you, I'm like, oh, I noticed that you like this post, why don't you be on the podcast? And you're like, okay, cool, and then boom, you're sitting down with me and Brad Pitt, 15 minutes, novelty. The only thing is, I don't want it to be like a, uh, a fan festival of just, you know, telling the person how much you love them and everything like that. I'm talking to myself, I'm not talking about the, I'm not giving rules to the imaginary person, I'm talking about myself. What I want to do is conduct a professional-sounding, 15-minute, easy interview, hit all the points, what they think makes them successful, maybe a novel story that happened to them one time, because being successful in your chosen field, there are, percentage-wise, not that many people that have picked their dream and pursued it and excelled at it. So the people that have, I think, have a really good understanding that their situation is a novelty, and it's interesting to view from the outside looking in. Anyway, I'm going to get emailing Dustin right now. I will check back in in a little bit, hopefully with an interview. Thanks a lot, guys. Wow, okay, so that was a couple hours ago that I recorded that. Just now, I received an email back from Dustin. It turns out in my email, I actually, I said Justin to him, which is pretty embarrassing, but he didn't even say anything about it. I noticed it, and then I even emailed him back and apologized, so whatever. Justin, (laughs) Justin, Dustin's reply to my email is basically, hey Lee, that's me, that's, that's me. Um, I guess I won't just read his email. Uh, there's nothing personal in it at all, but maybe not read people's emails that they send you without their permission. But essentially, he said, hey, um, he, he received the message, and now it's just on me to officially hire him and set up an appointment to see where everything goes. Um, 
I'm feeling pretty good about it for someone that hasn't done really any work. Um, someone like Dustin, I think, is a pretty cool person to have the chance to talk to. And I'd pay $150 probably just to talk to him even without the uh, pretense of the podcast. So I'm pretty much looking forward to that. That's going to be like that in and of itself is creating a uh, anomaly in my in my universe. So should be a pretty novel situation, should be an exciting situation. I am looking forward to it. And I guess I'll be back again right away for you and in a long time for me. So thanks for sticking with me this far. I know that for me, the passage of time is different than for you. But in just a couple seconds, right around the corner, we're going to have some hot, hot stuff. So stick with it. In five, four, of time three, hours. two, yeah, one, two hours. Bring well, on the hot actually stuff. Actually, did the recording like a week or two ago that I'm talking about, so uh, it's been a while. Anyway, I'm here with Dustin Marshall of Feral Audio fame. Hello, hi Lee. Hey, Dustin. Congrats! Um, congrats on your podcast. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, yeah, obviously, I've never. I've never done one of these before with anybody notable whatsoever, so thank you for being the inaugural guest. Of course, thanks for ha- bringing me on to help you out with this. I love I love podcasts. This is what I did for a decade, even uh, even though I didn't do I did Feral Audio for six and a half years, and I did Earwolf and various other things for. Before that, so I, I got involved in podcasting about 2009, so I've been doing this almost 10 years, so uh, I love it. I've had a little break while I got sober and got my shit together, and uh, I pretty much put it out there that I, right now I'm moving from Los Angeles. I'm, moving to, I'm going to Berlin, Germany, trying to find work there and start some stuff up there, and I put it out that I really want, like, Really wanted to make it so anybody could utilize my consulting services and either starting a show from the technical stuff, from the creative stuff, from the strategy stuff, or to come into an existing show. And you certainly uh, have been awesome. And I'm excited about your premise and what you're going to do with this. And I, I like the idea of the sort of build a podcast. Reminds me of. Um, I like that kind of stuff. It reminds me of if you have you ever seen the movie? Have you ever seen the Talking Heads movie? Stop making sense. No, I didn't even know the Talking Heads had a movie. The That's talking, funny. Talking Heads had a concert film. It was actually a blockbuster film at the time, and it, the whole thing is one continuous show. And what happens is, um, while the audience is sitting down in the beginning, so the movie starts, and it's like a theater, you know. So it's a concert film. And then David Byrne just comes out with a boombox while people are taking their seats and the lights are still on and he presses play in a boombox and then a drum beat starts playing. Then he starts playing an acoustic guitar. And so he does start playing songs and then, you know, eventually the lights come down and people take their seats. And then slowly but surely throughout the hour and a half of the film, more band members come out. And so there's and there's construction workers on stage. So when he starts playing, they're still building the set. So during the show, these people are building the show and they're adding more and more members and they're playing the show. And so by the end of the show, it's this gigantic, spectacular thing. 
you should really check it out. It's, it's been real. It was a huge inspiration for me. Yeah, that actually sounds awesome. I love the Talking Heads. Um, do you know who Brian Eno is? Yes, very much. Very big influence on me. I do audio and sound. He's he's sort of the definitive audio producer, creative. You know. Yeah, I uh, I actually just like got done with a small Brian Eno obsession for the last month or two after discovering who he was. Um, Do you follow his Twitter? No, I don't. Um, I, he didn't, all he didn't day, even strike me as all, one that would have one. Uh, all day, every day, all he does is tweet, like, libraries of free sound or free modular synth software, like, all, all audio shit. You got to check it. Dude, he's, he's basically, like, this wealth of uh, recording and audio. Check out his Twitter. All he does all day is post amazing shit. It's really cool. Yeah, he's a weird guy too. Like he, yeah, he's a weirdo. Awesome, I love him, but he's a definitely ar- he's an audio architect. He builds he builds audioscapes. He's a genius. Big influence. Yeah, I love him. Um, how old because are you? what's that? How old are you? Twenty four. Oh, okay. I'm thirty three. So we got almost. Ten. It's that's cool. Like the. You're getting having your Brian Eno phase. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm studying music in school, and he's just like such a well-known producer and sound designer that you can't really study popular music without coming across him. So, no, he's the dude. <laughs> okay, well, what I was gonna ask you was um, having such a like keen understanding of what it is that makes such a a sensation or whatever what what um caused you to want to utilize that to start feral audio instead of say being the million views dustin martian youtube channel i'm sorry you're wondering why well feral audio right now is offline and so it's it's the best thing, if you want to know what we're talking about, is to go to YouTube and look up the San Diego Comic-Con Feral Audio. Uh, the the new San Diego newspaper did a two-minute video piece. The article is great, too. Um, but there's a video piece about our... We had a legendary... This is something that I made out of my backpack, uh, no money, with volunteers. And eventually, we made history by being the first podcast network or anything to have a presence at San Diego Comic-Con in Hall H, their biggest room. Yeah, you you were the first podcast network to have your own panel, right? Yep. At Comic-Con? Hall, at Hall H. We made history. And then we got we got so big that Hollywood uh, attacked us from the inside. And someday I'll tell the story. But the real the real truth is I I we were such a hot commodity and money started getting thrown at us and thrown around. And I created this as an art collective where the artists owned everything that I, this was certainly not the Dustin show. I was, I was as little of me as possible. I actually only started being a personality because I, I, I saw how other networks and stuff had a face and people and other people, I, I, I'm a behind the scenes. I, I live to serve and I like, I love the media. I like new media. I like disruptive media. I like um, I like pushing boundaries, and I help push podcasting to where it is now, for better or for worse. I wanted to make more podcasters. I think I accidentally made more podcast networks, um, but I at least changed the entire way because our contracts started out as handshake deals. 
no middlemen. Um, the producer and the artist uh, building, working towards something. Um, and then uh, having very, f when we did establish the business, it was very fair. 60% of everything went to the artist, 40% for us. They got free engineering, free art design by, an am I had amazing body of artists that volunteered and, and we, I could hire eventually. Um, we grew out, before we went under, we grew to have a staff of over 15 and this was just me and I did over 40 shows for, for four years out of those six and a half years on my own, recorded, edited, uh, Every, every, absolutely every second um, and wrote every line, every tweet, every every description, all this stuff. I did I did I did that all for a very, very long time. It was very uh, gave me some of the hardest nights of my life and mo mostly the most beautiful, incredible years of my life that I, uh, you know, the pressure of everything really got to me. And as I was struggling with my mental health, I really uh leaned into uh sex and drugs and this atypical hollywood shit that's just around and i'm just a very intense person i'm a very um i i and and i've sort of i sort of like spiritually and religiously and philosophically borrow from different sort of uh religions or practices or business practice I just kind of pick and choose but one thing I learned from playing Dungeons and Dragons out here as an adult is I love this idea of character alignments um it's, it's basically this when you play Dungeons and Dragons you play a role play a character and one of the things you have to do is where you fall on this alignment scale of a good neutral evil lawful and chaotic and I'm definitely a chaotic neutral where I, real, real quick, I'm I'm really sorry to interrupt you. I just yeah. want to know: Did you play Dungeons and Dragons growing up, or did you only no. start as an adult? I started playing with Dan Harmon and his friends as awesome. like a 28 year old. I played with the funniest dungeon, like the most av. I I got started with like the most advanced, advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Like Spencer Crittenden was my Spencer one was and your first dungeon master. My one and only, yeah. <laughs> Spencer yeah. was my dungeon master. We'd play at his house. Uh, every Sunday, and and obviously we did the show, and we spun it off, and I I worked on the original pilot of Harmon Quest, and anyway, but this character alignment grid I think is really interesting, but um, I'm I'm sort of just a divisive person. I push boundaries. I I my message is of love and good, but also I'm I'm more of a person in the middle. I worked with very uh, you got to understand Feral Audio. You know, when I met Dan Harmon, he had just been fired from his show and was kind of an out outcast. And a lot of the people I work with were in the industry outcasts that I sort of, you know, we did a thing. We, we I, I sort of aligned and, you know, so people say what they want about Andy Dick. I mean, I've known Andy for shit almost 14 years now since I was 19, even before I moved out was, here. Was Skull Juice a Feral Audio podcast? Yep, I produced Skull Juice. And they, oh, okay. Those guys were are nuts, and they tore me a new asshole. And but whatever, I, Dino uh, and Andy, I've known for a long time, and I have a lot to thank them for. And I would say they're chaotic neutrals too. We're just crazy. I'm more the crazy thing is like I was I needed I was expected to be a leader and a boss. When I'm more, I live more like a musician probably does than a business. I than I, I do. I live more like a a guy in a punk rock band. Uh, than I do a businessman and and there's just there's some of that that just ex I, my emphasis was on the art and the creativity and the new technology I really love arts and technology um, and the idea that 
we're preventing a lot of art and new radical stuff from happening by by putting up these unnecessary boundaries and rules and being all and it's like I, 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 I saw a thing I was excited about. I helped push that medium and there's other mediums that I'm very interested in. Um, but right now I'm just working on uh, myself and just getting my uh, myself uh, in, in the best place I can be in my mind and my heart. What I was going to say about Feral Audio specifically is what was really mind-blowing to me for a while was... First, I started listening to Harmontown, and I just listened to it online. Like, I didn't have a iPhone to listen to it with or whatever. And so I always heard, like, the Feral Audio song. And I hadn't, like, it didn't even occur to me that that was a podcast network or whatever. So what, I started listening to podcasts. Harmontown <clears throat> was my introduction. And then I didn't purposefully seek out other Feral Audio podcasts. But yeah. the podcasts that I did enjoy ended up being feral audio ones so i guess what is weird to me is what what is your first introduction into that world like who's the who's the first influential person you met that was like oh i'm gonna like yeah i'll help you launch this podcast network or yeah i'll be on your podcast network and we'll turn it into like this real substantial thing that didn't exist before duncan trussell really duncan trussell yeah he didn't want he is the shadow producer of the whole thing he was my first mentor i was a huge fan of his podcast and him on joe rogan um i moved out here in my second week here i moved out here to work for this guy who had started earwolf um and then i met uh i went to tignas haro's record release party uh a good one robot and um at largo and i met natasha and i was a big fan of the lavender hour i'm sorry natasha legero uh duncan's girlfriend and a famous incredible comedian and uh, and she's married to um moshe kasher yeah yeah have you seen pictures of my cat aru no i have not my i have a cat named aru and moshe found aru and these cats in their yard um and was about to get eaten by coyotes and chased him off and then put him online i got my cat out of their backyard actually um they're they're incredible but anyway i met uh natasha and and i was like do you still need help for the podcast she's like yes please (laughs) and i i came over and i met duncan on his on his porch uh my second weekend here and my the first guest for their show that i was and this is the first thing i did my own was chelsea peretti who went on to be a long time um uh, uh, somebody I worked with and was really the big, really, really big name, the first, you know, big name that came on. Um, but Duncan basically took me in and he was like, I was kind of telling him how it was at Earwolf and how shitty it was, notoriously, very famously documented this for years. But he sort of was like, uh, all right, man, well, here's what you are. You're the apprentice right now. You know what? I worked at, I worked at the comedy store for years I was running the actual front counter and it wasn't the best all the time, but he's like, you're just there to learn. You just observe, listen, and you, you don't know what, you don't know your role in this yet, but you're here and you're a part of this and I'll keep working with you and we can help figure out this podcast. And, and then when the shit went down and I was like, I don't know, I, he's like, you should start your own network. And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, 
I used to volunteer at this art collective in Madison, Wisconsin, and I, I volunteered at the community radio station, WORT 89.9 FM, and I was like, if I did one, this is how I'd do it. I want to do it like an art collective. Like, I, we, I don't want to do it like a business. And he goes, then do it that way. And I, I bounced ideas off of him to the point when we were at, basically, we were practicing meditation and magic at the time and we basically i didn't uh he was the guy who you know and i left earwolf and i i i made feral audio with a, his webmaster stee my longtime web designer and master stee grieve and um duncan gave me his webmaster and he worked for a percentage for free for many years um and then duncan is like i'll be on it you just make new shows and it got to the point when it's like you know he he was like, you don't have any shows. You need to record. What are you doing? And I was dragging my feet. And he goes, I'll be the first guest. So I got Esther Pivitsky, and we made the very first episode of Weird Adults at Duncan's house. And Duncan was just very, I had a very I've had many, many amazing mentors and people that come into my life, and they go. And I think the good thing about the thing about mentorship and when you, when you, when you are creating these things is like a great mentor and I'm not talking about Duncan at this point, <clears throat> not at all, but I think I've had many other people who inspire me, but a great mentor kind of comes in, has walked a path that you're starting to walk down before, kind of guides you, is, 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 is a support for you in a way, teaches you, and then and ultimately can sometimes show you how not to be and how not to do things and um, and how you want, if you were in their position, you would do things differently. And uh, I've been very blessed, and L.A. is a, a wild community like that where sometimes, you know, obviously people see an opportunity and they knew, I, yeah, obviously, a, a lot of these people uh, saw my worth before I even saw it in myself, you know. Um, and knew that they could make it work for them, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that's why they worked with me. That's why we worked together. Uh, Man, that's that's why you're such an interesting character for me to, like, besides you as a human being with all your individual traits and everything that every human being possesses, but if you just, like, separate the humanity from it all on paper, you're really interesting because you've chosen this role as, like, you know the uh the producer and the and the guy behind the scenes stuff like that avoiding the fame but cultivating the art and yet you're brushing shoulders with all these people that like anyone in my circle or anyone that's like a fan of the same niche of fandom that I belong to like you're brushing brushing shoulders with the rock stars of that community Oh, and you have like, no, you have no, do you, you, do you realize how weird that is? <laughs> like, you have no idea. Like, for example, I was over at Justin Roiland's house at like three in the morning one night in 2002. And he's like, man, I have, you do sound, right? I have this pitch, you know, everybody cleared out. And he's like, I have this pitch. Uh, I'm doing an adult swim and the sound's not great. Can you listen to it? And it was this Rick and Morty animatic that he showed me that he made on his computer by himself where he did all the voices. And then... And then I was then I became a part of uh, Starburns when it started and watching that. And then when I was work I was working on Chelsea Peretti's podcast and I would go occasionally to her house and you know she's now married to Jordan Peele. But I would go there and it'd be like nine in the morning and Jordan would be you know sitting there in all sweats with his hoodie over his head at his laptop with like the Shining on the TV 
And I'm like, what are you what are you working on? He's like, oh, I'm working on this movie. I'm working on this movie. Cuts it three months later. I come over and I'm like, hey, man. He's like, hey, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm working on this movie. I'm like, what's it called? He's called Get Out. And that dude just sat. I just watched. And then I watched. And then I went and saw it in the theater. It was incredible. And it's like I've been in the proximity of all sorts. I mean, there's there are hundreds of things like that, dude. I mean, I worked on this HBO show, Animals. I worked on Charlie Kaufman's Anomalisa, but aside from that, my, one of my biggest mentors right after that was my hero, Bob Odenkirk. Of um, man, see that's that's like next level. Oh that's not no, even I moved. Niche I moved that's here. Bob motherfucking Odenkirk. No, man. he and he that's took he took wild. me wild. I'm I've been he's my Paul McCartney since I was nine years old, and next thing I know, I'm in his house in the Hollywood Hills, editing. You know, he brought me in, and my first job outside of anything. He came into Earwolf when I was editing, and he was like, what is that, man? He slapped my shoulder. He goes, that's magic. I'm working on this cartoon with this guy, Tommy Giannis. Now, if you don't know who Tommy Giannis is, he is basically the guy who made the Tenacious D show. He was an SNL writer, maybe a head writer for years. He's a behind-the-scenes guy, too. And Bob hired me, and you know, and then next thing I know, I've made things like I made the Lost Mr. Show podcast, which I'm thinking about leaking soon, but then Bob hired me. Me and David, I mean, when I was nine years old, I walked downstairs and I, I, my older sister snuck out and she had cable in her room and I turned on HBO to try to watch Real Sex or something. And I saw the Mr. Show intro and my mind is blown and my life changed forever. I moved here to work for a Mr. Show cast member. I moved and I've worked with all of them and they're incredible people. They changed my life. I came here and I did that, but I got to recreate the two lost uh, Mr. Show movie scripts. So I, wor I worked, and then we did another audiobook a year later, but I got to make uh, my audiobook. It's really my masterpiece. I worked an entire summer while doing Feral Audio and doing this other shit, um, but it's called Hollywood Said No. And we took, it was the first time that Mr. Show reunited uh, in the same room in like 10 years, and they were like, it was, I remember the the last day, I remember when they came up with, they did that with Bob and David. You can see me in the audience a bunch. <laughs> um, oh, really? Yeah, I'm all over that thing. But I, I was in the room when they came up with that. They're like, we should do another sketch show. We should do it. We should do like new stuff, uh, but not call it Mr. Show. We'll call something else. But then I remember it was, you know, Bob's such a hardworking, amazing guy, and he was so supportive um, of me, and he it was like rocket fuel, his, his blessing and support. Like the day I left Earwolf, um, I called, uh, I called him and I was like, I'm sorry, I can't work on your podcast anymore. I asked, they won't let me. And he goes, that's fine. And he's like, uh, what do you, what do you, you, do you do video? And I'm like, no, he goes, I'll get you a job. And then he called me a month later with this huge opportunity to make this shit happen. So Bob, I have, I have to thank Bob actually a lot because when I started working at the Starburns booth, I was not experienced. They have like the 20 year Simpson audio engineer dude there who is incredible and then I come in, and they're like, who the fuck is this guy that Dan's giving the keys to our new studio? And then they all come down one day, and I'm sitting there with all of Mr. Show, and they're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know, dude. I just, I, I, the fame came to me because I'm in proximity to stuff, and the infamy as well. And um, what's, the, what's the pressure like walking into a situation like that, being new to it? Like, I personally love... I so this is the thing, and I don't say this in any other way. You got to understand that I was the first time I was ever on a plane. I was 26 years old. Was to Los Angeles. I came here with two carry-on bags, $2,500 of inheritance from my grandpa Fred that passed away, and I knew one guy who was a monster. I made everything out of nothing, and I. But I'm not afraid of. I'm not. I'm not afraid of people the way. 
I, I'm t- okay. So I'm not afraid of dying. And I know that sounds, I'm afraid of the pain as any, I'm a human being like anybody else, but I'm not afraid of dying. And do you know that, do you know that Peter Pan quote? No. It's um to die would be a grand adventure. Yeah, exactly. I'm fascinated with it, you know, and that's the goth in me. That's the I'm I'm this I'm what is this life? What it, what is this consciousness? You know, what is why why is this happened and this happened? You know, I'm, I I I and I I have a very uh, I have I have a, a, a very specific personality and brain type, but I'm not trying to. I have no desire to be on stage. My, I hate being on stage. I, and it took me a long time to be able to even talk on a podcast like this. No desire to do that, but I love comedy as much as I love music. So I knew all these people's work and I knew of this new thing and what con what connects a comedian to an audience. It's a, it's a microphone, it's audio. They, and there was such a fucking need for good audio engineers because a lot of audio engineers, and I'm telling you, dude, you go to these schools and they just teach you how to use shortcuts in pro tools really fast they don't teach you a lot of practical shit, but they don't teach you how to interact with artists. And a, and yeah. a huge part of your a huge part of your life is how to fucking talk to an artist and how to make them feel comfortable and how to make them even not you know realize you know they're like so the idea is I would talk to these comedians and it's like I knew their work and what I just liked them, but I had a lot of people approach people especially in this town, when they're trying they, trying to be comedians, they want something. I didn't have anything to take. I had nothing but, I have nothing to but to give, right? And also, uh, Bob knew I was inexperienced, and he was patient with me, and he, I worked with him so closely, and I worked with Harmon so closely that I, I'm, so the thing about me, the reason that I got very successful, and when you learn about Feral Audio, behind all this, what I did, because Feral Audio made no money, and so, uh, not until the very end. And so, and I used that money to hire people. I never took a cent. Um, and basically, I was doing all these odd jobs and crazy projects in the industry on the side, and that's how I paid my bills. Um, and so, I have this body of work too that I'm looking at now as I'm stepping away, and and I'm just I'm just quite blown away by it. But um, you know, if you're willing to do the basically like. If you don't have the skills yet, but you have the drive and the vision and you, but you have, as a young person, especially, I feel like young people sleep way too much. It's not healthy and it drove me crazy and I don't recommend it, but I, a lot of people I know like sleep eight, 12 hours a night. And I just think that's impossible. I think that's insane. Like you don't need that much sleep. And it's like, I, 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 to this day. I have to be on the, I have to be self-employed somehow. I have to be on the outside because like, I'll stay, my natural thing, even now that I'm sober is like, I'll be awake for 36 hours at a time and then sleep for 10 hours or I'll be awake for 10 hours at a time and sleep for, I'm like, I sleep when I sleep, you know? And, uh, well, that's probably abnormal. It is abnormal. I I could understand don't sleep 12 hours a day, but probably also don't sleep 10 hours for every 36 hours. Well, no, no, that's you can help it. No, no, no. That's how I I've had insomnia my whole life. So I'm I'm I've I was able to do so much because I'm just up anyway. (laughs) Right. I'm not saying do I'm not telling anybody if they're the one of the biggest lessons to learn. If my folk hero story says anything is that. I'm one of I'm one of you and I'm one of them and that our heroes and all the people you put on a pedestal all these people they're just people 
And if you were in, and, and I've, and there are the people that you're blown away and that you, you know, but you, then you learn, it's like, you don't, 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 there's just, there's just, there's just faux pas I never made because I'm, if I can walk up, this is the thing. I was having Odin Kirk. I started Feral Audio out of my tiny little apartment. I'm having all these people, like uh, major people, uh, with me, and then I have other comedians. Like, how are you not uh, terrified to have them over at your shitty little apartment in Hollywood? And I'm like, if I walk up to somebody that I respect that much, I'm just happy I get to say my. Sen- I'm just happy to be standing with them. I don't. It doesn't. It's not going to make or break me if they don't like me or not. More often than not. There's a re despite what people think of because I've I've I have a lot of poor bad behaviors. I am a fucking person with mental health that I've been working on. But there's a reason these people I got this far and it's I'm just cool and calm and collected. And maybe maybe I bottle oh, I in the past I bottled too much up and I released it in in and it came out in fucking weird ways. I'm certainly I just work very well under pressure, and I, I like putting myself in a box and covering it with cement and then fucking with limited air running out and a countdown timer and <laughs> being like, how am I going to get out? I always destroy myself, and I don't w- wish to live this hard anymore, but you have to sacrifice, in order to serve others, in order to be of service, in order to be a good producer or, or in a good CEO... Um, and I don't think leader is the right word for this. In order to be service of others, you have to sacrifice. Um, you have to sacrifice things, whether that's a personal life, whether that's um, pride, whether that's time. And I think a lot of it is just time. And I think it's like, um, and then knowing when your time is valuable, and knowing you know into and and. I don't know. It's a it's a long rant, but uh, it, I, I'm not. I, 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 people I, I accuse me of being name dropping in these things, but these this is just my world. So no, these no. are the people, and, you know. And and fuck anyone that says you're being name dropping. That's the thing. Well, is I like, am, but like, <laughs> well, I mean, to the extent that I can now be like, oh yeah, I had Dustin Marshall on my podcast. That's been your life for people that aren't Dustin Marshall. You know what I mean? Like you've been behind the seat. You've been being Dustin Marshall with people bigger than you. That's, <laughs> yeah, sure, that's, sure. That's wild. That's sure. a wild existence to me. No, I um, have had a very. I have a very strange life. I have a very, very strange life. It is this life, this existence, this run at it, whatever I'm in right now, this time, this cycle, whatever. I am an ex- I'm an exceptionally strange person in a sense where I don't I can't I don't operate this I don't know anybody that operate I haven't yet to meet I never even really fit in amongst all these people I just I work really well with I work really well with artists and I know how to talk to them and I because they're 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 people and then um they and then a lot of these people have are eccentric and I know how, and I, and I'm patient as fuck. Like I understand, I have a huge history of mental health in my family and I've been in special, I've been put in special programs my entire life. So I've been surrounded by, uh, you know, exceptional people. And I just, I talk to everybody the same. Everybody has my base amount of respect until they don't. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good philosophy. Have a automatic 
base level of everyone's a human until they they do revoke that or whatever. And, and the only people I don't, the only people I'm weird around are cops. I'm fucking terrified of cops. They don't, they, they, they're of impunity to kill. I don't fucking trust them. Man, did you see that? That cop just stumbled into the wrong apartment like last night and shot and killed a guy. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 been fuck. That's pretty crazy. That's I think of of all the stuff we're putting. I think we're highlight. I think we're outrage with outrage culture and overreaction and stuff. It's deadly, but this is the type of thing for years now that it needs to be having the fucking microscope and spotlight put on it because. Um, anyways, yes, there's, there are a lot of, uh, societal and social and pro- all these things that we need to correct. But I think most importantly, and I think, I honestly think that this generation of black millennials are going to change the fucking, I think they already have changed the world. I think they're changing the fucking world. Um, but we need to seriously, we have an opportunity right now to, um, end police brutality. I truly think that. Uh, there's some stuff that is you're, there are insolvable problems. You're never we're never gonna solve this, you know. You're, but uh, there there is a way where we we can get cops to stop turning off their fucking um can like uh ch- chest cams whenever they want. We we are at a point in history when um transparency and I live in I've lived in transparency. And they're the only way, and it's life destroying sometimes. But um, yeah, yeah, we got it. These cops, they can't. They they certainly don't act at when you know. In living in L.A., I'm a fucking white guy and I'm poor, so they treat poor people a certain way too. But I've had fucking guns drawn at me by cops for no reason out here, and it's terrifying. Well, and besides, besides just um. If you take if you take institutional racism as a given or an extra into our like judicial system, one of the problems I think is that you're always gonna have just extra aggressive, too much testosterone motherfuckers out there that just want to cause harm. And the job that's available to do that, that's gonna utilize their skill set, is something like being a cop. Like not all cops are gonna be like that. But the people that feel that way are going to gravitate towards that position. And that's a very hard, stressful job to combat that mindset. I don't I don't even think it's testosterone. I think they're taught. I think they're broken down and brainwashed. And when every day, once they put that armor on, they look at us like we're insects. They don't look at us like we're people. We're commodities. Yeah, it's, it, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a certain mentality of it's them versus us. It on is their side. And don't yeah. you? And and I know this is I've and this is very fucking. However you want to say it, but a couple of years ago, um, there was a fucking shooting in Texas, and then a fucking new Black Panther responded by going to the top of a building with a sniper rifle and killing fucking five cops and this fucking guy they they the cops taped a bomb to a a a drone and then drove the drone in and blew the guy up this had never been done before now i morality wise i'm a i am non-violent i'm a pacifist Uh, violence is the most ugly disgusting thing 
I think anger and violence is a tool, not a toy or whatever. But at some point, it's like, this is the type, this is fucking retaliation. And like, this is like a moment in history that we all brushed over that I've been wanting to talk about for years that I think is like one of the craziest thing that's ever happened in America. Like, I can't wait for this documentary or movie. This is a story of this guy who sniped out cops. But don't you think that if you wake up every day and you put on a bulletproof vest, shouldn't your odds of getting shot be higher than mine? Because the truth of the matter is, barely any cops ever die on the field. The, like, the, 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 the statistics against how many civilians that they kill versus how many cops die in the field is staggeringly, like, in the thousands of percent, right? So don't you feel like if you're waking up and you are putting on and and whatever, but they're just they're just reinforcing gun culture. You know, a comedian gave me a he told me out here he goes and I was I was getting a drink with a friend a comedian out here and a comedy editor, and he said he he for years had this truck that a bunch of comedians would buy from each other and pass around, and that he had an NRA sticker on. And basically, when the cops pulled him over, and all these other comedians were like, it totally works, this is totally true. When the cop came up to the car, he'd go, excuse me, do you have a firearm? And, and he goes, no, sir, I have it at home. And then he would just, all right, and he would get away with speeding. He would get away with fucking everything because he had this NRA sticker. And then other comedians would use this truck, and the same thing would happen. They pull you over, and the first thing they ask is like, do you have a, you know, and if you say no, and then, because if you act like you're NRA, because all of these cops are NRA because they carry guns, right? Like it's mandatory. Like they have to go. Can I, yep. can I tell you a funny story I had with a policeman that falls into that line? Yeah, sure. It was, it was pretty recently. Um, I was in the Marine Corps for four years. Oh, wow. That's incredible. And I got out in like a year and four days ago now. Like I just looked at the time and it's like a year and four days ago. And so right when I first started going to school, I was riding my motorcycle from where I live to up there, and I didn't have insurance. My uh, license plate was over a year old, like expired, over a year expired, and I didn't have my driver's license with me. And I got pulled over because I was driving illegally in between lanes. And the cop says, oh, he, he says, okay, one, your license plate is fucked. Your this is fucked. You don't have any mirrors. You don't have any blinkers you're not supposed to be listening to headphones and your license plate shouldn't be swiveling like that that's already over a thousand dollars worth of fines and i was like okay i also don't have my driver's license with me and he was like okay how am i supposed to know who you are so i pulled out my expired marine corps id card and showed it to him and i didn't get a ticket at all yeah totally like not at all yeah 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 totally i mean it blew my mind he just let me go yeah I mean, they think that they think they're one of you, even though uh, I think someday the Army and National Guard's gonna have to come in and intervene them and from us. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's crazy. So are you um, are you in these intros and these you're setting up who you are and where you live and your life? And I think that's so amazing that you you're in the Marines. I before I went to L.A., it was either L.A. or the Air Force. And if if the if the if the politic if, if if it wasn't the climate it was right now, I would actually um, join the Air Force. But I'm not I'm not certainly not at this point in time for this country. Um, but uh, are you talking in your intros? Are you setting up who you are and why you're doing this? So what's the what's your process been like? No, I mean the 
being a the marine thing is such a insignificant aspect of my life. If anything, it's just it's not. I'm I'm su- I'm really liberal, and so it's nice to occasionally. Marines? Well, this is the yeah. thing about podcasting is you get you then this is how your audience learns about you. So you're certainly been a good interviewer. You're good at getting stuff out of me. You're asking me stuff that no one's ever asked me, and so it's and so that is making me go and think about other stuff. You know, you're you're. Well, you've only ever had famous people interviewing you. That's not true. My favorite podcast, my. My favorite podcast I ever did, and I listened to it recently, and I think it's the best thing I ever did, was The Mutant Season. It's an eight-year-old who has had a Nerdist show. I got interviewed by an eight-year-old. Look for oh, wow. Gil, Dustin Marshall, uh, Mutant Season. An eight-year-old interviewed me once, and I listened to it, and uh, it's one of the, my favorite things ever. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't know what Mr. Show is, and I started talking about Mr. Show, and he goes... Is that like Predator? And I'm like, is Mr. Show like Predator? And I was like, yes. <laughs> it's like this kid is the best. Uh, anyway, old watching Predator. Yeah, I would just make sure, like, you know, you you hammer in because we're having a good conversation here. But I would just make sure, like, we get stick, we 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 reinstate and we we get to the core of what your podcast is about. So, what is novelty drive about? What are we gonna? What are you? I'm, I'm your inaugural, or you know, you you, you and all you, you did what anybody can do. You paid me $150 to consult on your show and help get it going for a month, and so I'm more than happy and I'm honored to be a part of it. Um, so since you said you're documenting the whole thing, like, what is novelty drive? What 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 what's the arc of our conversation? Where what do you what what in in the name of novelty drive? What 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 can you get out of me that would help serve the show? Well, I think I think what's crazy about talking to you for me is that um, all of your stories that you've shared about the people that you've worked with, having like Bob Odenkirk as your mentor or having sitting on Duncan Trussell's couch or watching goddamn Jordan Peele write Get Out. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, um, I'm going to I'm now, I, now I don't know. I'm one degree of separation away from those people because I've had a conversation with you. Uh, I you would, know, I don't, like, I, I, would, I don't know. Um, I, there's, we're, these are my friends and my people and, um, I've, I've been very fortunate to be so close and to be in the homes of all these people, but like, yeah, there's, there's, there's that side of it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't get, I gotta make sure like, don't get too enamored with the, I, like the celebrity of things like I certainly have had my bouts of um, that have bit me in the ass <laughs> when uh, when I sort of got caught up in that um, uh, scent like it's like that Pepe Le Pew cartoon in Looney Tunes when or when the, or, like green the green yeah smell. or 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 when a Looney Tune smells a pie or something and it's <laughs> like it grabs him by the nose and it whisks him through the air it's like all that shit's very seductive but it's not like those are these are very you know and I think someday um I don't know I've had a very I'm I'm still in this I'm still in it well what I, what I was what I was gonna say what I was trying to get at when I was saying all those famous people besides them just being famous to me your stories drive home the point to where it's like, oh, if that's the world that I want to be involved with, all I have to do is try to submerse myself in it. 
And so as you tried to submerge yourself in it, and suddenly you were hanging out with Bob Odenkirk. I took well, the tiniest little the tiniest little step towards the same world, and now I'm interviewing you in my home. You know, like that's, that is true. But that's I what got... novelty drive is all about. That's the essence of the thing. Well, it is because the thing with Bob is I folk I when I was a kid, I was obsessed. And then the DVD started coming out when I turned about 16, 17, 18, 19. And the last time I'm about to be homeless for the first time in 14 years. And the last time I was homeless was for a year when I was 18, 19. And I had a bag of clothes and I had my Mr. Show DVDs and I would sleep on my friend's couches and put him in their PS2s at night and watch him backwards. And it's all I did for a year. And like, so by accidentally, so in, 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 in chaos magic and in witchcraft or in Buddhism or in all sorts of different philosophies, when you, when you focus, you're, you, we are so much more our unconscious attention than we are our conscious attention. There's just it's just too overwhelming to be in awe of this of everything all the time. But I'm pretty glad whatever, you brought up chaos magic actually because that's it's, that's we, what we, I feel like success we, is. Well, feral feral audio was a chaos magic spell. Me and Duncan Trussell wrote in the back of a bar receipt at Bigfoot Lodge, and it came true. But be that's, very careful. I love that story. Well, careful with chaos magic, dude. I'm I'm not practicing right now because it's very real. And what I learned is. So what chaos magic is, to people who don't know, it's just this ba- it's just understanding that when you wake up and you crave a coffee, that starts somewhere in the conscious field, and then that enters your brain, and you wake up, and then you, you know, you grind the beans, and then you. I, I personally make a cold brew at home. So what I do is I, I steep it, and then I let it sit for a day, and then I filter it or whatever. It's a whole process, and by the end of it, I've conjured up a cup of coffee for myself. We do this all the time with our unconscious attention and our conscious attention, and that you can actually, by using metaphors and using sort of uh, practices from religion and stuff, you can we can conjure things into our reality from the this uh, from this other lighter reality to this more meatier reality. I mean, I mean meat, and I mean physical space, and where things are harder and less soft, and there's nothing softer than a thought. And then when you take that thought and you will it into creating something you know so anyway chaos magic is this practice where you will stuff in but what i've learned dude is is it takes away from your future that it will it draws energy from your past and your future to make things happen in the present and it it you wherever it depletes you definitely feel it (laughs) so be very careful but i i do magic's very real (laughs) very very real I have a very cursory introduction to it. All I know is, like, from random Jason Louv, uh readings or listenings and stuff. I just bought a book about magic the other day. It's the first one I ever bought, and I haven't started reading it yet. But my impression of it is that it's basically just it's identifying the thing you want, and then you end up getting that thing. But it's not like, oh, I'm just mystically getting this thing it's oh i'm creating a series of steps where i go through the process and at the end of it i have the thing that i was originally seeking after and if doing like if putting myself in an environment that's surrounded by objects or reminders 
to help me achieve that symbols yeah it's part we, of the process then we, we that's use part of the process we use symbols and we use stuff all day we use stop signs we use red lights green lights that make us be to make societies happen we do we use symbolism the idea and then chaos magic not only is it's it's more about mindfulness right it's the it's the magic of this moment of the present that we do live in a magical space and that um, there is a spiritual element to that, but there's a practicality to magic, and there's a practicality to witchcraft, and there's a practicality that there are good and evil and neutral forces in the universe, and they're constantly in flux. But I mean, I've I've I'm in some pretty close goth circles and magic circles, and I've I've sat at dinner tables with people who practice various types of magic and Wicca and stuff that I practice chaos magic, and I've had people stand up and leave and sit at the other end of the table and say, "I don't want to sit next to you." It's very Jesus. dangerous. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's not terrible. <laughs> it's it's not it, it it's it's very very real. It's very real, and but what I've come to learn, this is just my personal spin on it. After having practiced it, having this major feral audios chaos magic, and we use chaos magic emblems in it that were hidden. Uh, my webmaster, who's Duncan, we all are into this shit, and so we've we've we use this stuff all the time, and. Uh, um, it's more or less, it's not to scare anybody. It's just saying, I'm just saying that we do this shit all the time and we do it on accident. And the idea is focusing your unconscious attention that we're unconsciously make, we can make the world, uh, we, we can make the world so much better. We, we could make a, you, there's the poverty does not even need to exist. We have, eight times more resources on this planet than we well who's for, gonna pay for that that's the thing is like who's the, gonna pay for that that's then that's the that's where that's exactly the question where we all get caught up on and it's the same way when when we die it's like there's an, an amazing there's amazing shit that happens after jesus dies in the bible and then some christians can't get over the fact that he was fucking murdered and then some people can't get past the part where he comes back and then and then cuz they don't they want to come back cuz they want to live forever it's like there's so much good shit in the bible after he comes back like all the good shit um uh so yeah, literally all the good shit of the bible is like the last couple of days of jesus and after uh i don't yeah i pick i pick and choose i've read old testament twice and i've read new testament but a long time ago but um but so I think and I think people are going to have to get used to the fact and apparently there's a lot there's a, a witch, witchcraft there's a lot of fucking witches especially in LA but it's really like taking over they're becoming vocal but a lot of, you're going to have to in millennials a lot of us are practicing magic and fringe pseudoscience pr spiritual stuff that we're using we 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 didn't have a we we the church fucking didn't take care of us and well, isn't that weird about millennials is like we've kind of rejected not all of us but I think as a movement kind of millennials have rejected this idea of the American capitalistic Church of Jesus Christ that permeates our culture and instead of just like embracing a different ideology we're like. Oh, some of those Buddhist teachings are pretty cool. I might do yoga on the weekend. Oh, those witches? Yeah, I like what those witches are about. It seems like we've kind of crafted this weird new magic meets Eastern philosophy meets acting like Jesus kind of way of living that the Western culture 
didn't really experience before. Well, I mean, I I I live. I'm an elder millennial, so I'm 85. So I I lived in you know I turned 15 in the year 2000. So I remember the I was I in 1994. I was nine years old, and my dad brought home a computer. I was born in '94. Yeah, my I my dad brought home a computer and it didn't have a modem and I was like, ah, it needs a modem and he's like, I don't know. And I was like, give me forty dollars and I walked to Walmart in the fucking snow and I got a fourteen point four K modem and I went back and I cracked open the back of the computer and broke it and like figured out how to install a modem at nine years old. And I went on Prodigy and the first thing I ever did on the internet, I went onto a white zombie BBS board, a bulletin board. That used to be very they – they looked like chat rooms, but they were very similar to what I guess kind of Reddit would be, but there was no threads. It was all those individual posts. And then America Online happened. It's like I lived in a world where I watched all this happen. You know, my the, the generation beneath us are called iGen, and my very good friend is, is a part of that, and they're very fucking they, – they've had the internet their whole lives. They're very educated, smart comfortable in their own bodies but i played her the sound i was trying to describe her the sound of modems like uh dial-up modems like and i was like no you don't understand and i was like this didn't come out of the speaker this came out of the motherboard and it was loud as hell and you'd have to dial over and over and over again and you would be lucky if you could get online you would try for hours and once you were online you didn't want to if somebody called it would kick you off so nobody started calling each other anymore i was trying to explain this world and it's it is like it feels it, it feels like another wow. it, was, never, it was another century i've never ago. thought about it that way it's like you're the, just you, you literally the 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 aspect of i remember i remember being a little kid and i couldn't be on like aol instant messenger and use the phone at the same time because it was a dial-up connection but i never thought about it from the aspect of as soon as the internet existed it started limiting voice to voice communication between people it did well. My fr- I played it for my friend, and she by go- by she goes, design, my friend, by design. My, my friend's from the Netherlands and speaks very good English. But she's like, it sounds like something being born, and I'm like, wow, it really does. It it was, but like it, it I used to go on like I was one of the first. I love new mediums and new internet stuff. So the reason I was I the, one of the big things I predicted podcasting on Napster in like 2001, like pre 9 11. I was on a Napster. I was a big mp3 file sharing kingpin this is i want to write a book about this part of my life someday i had the metallica shut you down i had the fbi on my fucking ass for years before i was 18 i was like a huge uh file sharing kingpin in the midwest and uh i was really into fucking peer-to-peer stuff and I was like on Napster and I was like, dude, we could make our own radio shows and send them to each other on here and we could, we could bypass radio. So when podcasting happened, it had a name and I was like, oh my God, this is the, the thing. And I got up and I was like, oh, I love, I love these comedians and I love, you know, all, and I was like, oh, that's why I got so obsessed with it because I, when, when I was 16 and I knew that we could do it. And it just and and then it works so well with comedians who have all this downtime and, and talk and are so good at and they get comedians used to they don't anymore get keys to the city to say whatever like they get to say taboos and they get away with it because they're they're spotless because they're comedians I mean not anymore but um yeah so hey novelty drive all right we're back um. I was I was trying to figure out while you were gone ways to tie this into my overall message of what I'm trying to do 
but I just kept thinking of more questions about who you are that would be interesting to listen to. So I'm not sure what's better for the podcast to like approach it from the podcast perspective or from conducting a interesting interview perspective. Well, I think we got. I don't know. I don't know what I am. I'm a lot. I'm. A, I'm. I'm certainly not the. I'm. I'm certainly. I. Everything that's happening to me right now is my own karma and my own doing, and and there's certainly a lot right now that is n- certainly not me, but also. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just a dude, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm, we're very mercurial, we're not normal people, we, a lot of us are entrepreneurs and we, we are autistic or emotional or mental or physical health or weird childhoods, we don't act in accordance to the status quo, we do bizarre things, and there's usually, we, we go through jobs very fast, and when we do have jobs, we have a very opinionated ideas of how to do things, and we butt up against things, and then we end up having to create our own little universe, and then all of a sudden, next thing we know, you know, you have people like fucking Steve Jobs, or some, or Papa John, and then there's a whole universe around you, and then all of a sudden you're responsible for 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 all this stuff and then society basically requires us especially capitalism to make their new things <laughs> i'm a, i'm i'm I, I don't know at this point like i'm not super uh i mean odds are we're going to do this again cuz you're making this podcast and you're sort of documenting you doing it but as your producer on this right now i want you to really hone in on not really fall into who is your guests and what is this and what are their stories but what is what 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 is the show and what is the what's why is what is the reason we're even doing this because without the reason there's this it's fruitless so i just really want you to think about what is novelty drive and i want you to it doesn't have to be in our conversation right now. It can be one of your modular pieces that you do in your own really define it because I think those are beautiful words. Um, the same when I decided I really like naming things um, and like feral audio, I think novelty drive are very feminine, open words that spark interest. And I think you've come up with it and you, and I think the beauty in what you're doing and why I want to be a part of this um, because trust me, I could have, I, I, just cause you hired me doesn't mean I would be, I, I'm going to do this for everybody. Um, but I, you piqued my interest with the concept and the name. So what you need to do now is these things can happen over time, but you have to like fulfill your destiny here of what novelty drive is. Cause, um, certainly we're going to get to know you throughout the show and that's going to be people who listen are going to get benefits like, oh, I learned you're in the Marines. That's really interesting. That doesn't necessarily have to be what your podcast is about. That's like one of the benefits of us having a free-flowing conversation. Well, I want you to really think about novelty drive and like wrap this up in the name of of that, what your idea of it is. Am I making sense? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, Okay, so for the sake of the podcast, I guess – my question for you is if you were born in like 1850 and you had to have an um a platform if you had to have a platform what do you think that would be oh nightmare 
1850. Ugh, what an awful time to be alive. <laughs> I would have no platform. I'm an internet. But kid. no, your your exact personality and interests. Oh, I would have been burned. Transplanted. A, they would. I would have. I would not be alive. They would have. They would have. They would have lynched me in the town square for being weird at age twelve for being <laughs> queer or whatever the fuck. I would not be alive. <laughs> I, would, okay. I, would, I would. I would have no medium or no voice. That's a great question, though. <laughs> I was. I was thinking about in terms of. Like people, people say that they, part of getting their break or part of becoming successful in the thing that they're doing is being in the right place at the right time. Very and if true. you take that, if you take that to the next level, it's not just oh, I was uh, in Starbucks in L.A. and Bob Odenkirk was the barista or whatever the fuck. It's I was born in 1985 when the it was right at the end of how everything had been for forever and the beginning of how everything is going to be. I'm very much a product of the, and I was raised, my dad didn't teach me how to tie a tie. The internet did. Um, I'm very much raised myself, had to, um, and, and someday I'll, I'll go into my childhood and stuff, but I very much had to be, I've been an outsider my whole life. I think um, I'm very much a product. I don't know at that point in time. I think I, I, I it's right. Uh, we, you got to think like we have only been recording history, actually been able to document it. And it's still wonky and people can still edit and write narratives out of it. But history is an art form. Telling and mythology is an art form. And um, and we're now starting to in real time document stuff, but this shit is all new. Like we've like music has only really been hasn't even been properly recorded for a hundred years yet. That's insane to me. Music, music, um, and so shit like Poppy, especially now on the internet, like that shit's gonna be the internet's not going away. And so all the stuff we put on, it is blips in the ocean. It's drops in the ocean, I should say, blips in the screen. But, like, it's getting documented and in, in, a, in a profound way. And less and less and less, we're going to have less and less control over, over, you know, how we present ourselves. It's, it's certainly gotten out of my control. But, like, how we present ourselves and all these things is, is going to be taken away you know it's like i can't wait to visit but in france there's those catacombs of uh it's like tunnels or something made of like seven million skulls of people who died in a plague or a war or whatever in france and i i can't wait to visit it um but it's like oh the government's recording us and tracking us it's like oh is that so wrong compared to the seven million faceless, nameless skeletons <laughs> in this dungeon cave in France? Like, uh, you should be so honored. The AIs are gonna fucking map us, but then you got to be careful because whatever AI is gonna map my consciousness and be me is gonna do it based off of what I've put out there, and 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 you know whatever it's going to mimic my personality my consciousness and it's going to get it wrong and it's going to be like oh is it going to be um the creative or the entrepreneur that did all this but it, that shit wasn't recorded that like i just do stuff for like the experience in the in the moment and i like losing myself as much as possible and that was it's the, the real problem for me is having to be so much myself in these past few years, I just I'm so ready to forget about that and go back to a life of service, like in whatever that may be. But I've certainly have 
a passion for podcasting and talents in it. And I'm here to be accessed by anybody who, who wants to, but I, I, I mean, I, I can't, you asked a great question and got me on a tangent, but like, I really like the arts and I like documenting, documenting things. And I liked, uh, I like punk rock and I like seven inches and I like screen printing and I like making MP3s and I'm like making a song in one night. And I like, um, let's all, Hey, meet this artist and you guys should do this. There's a lot of shit. There's a lot of TV shows and there's a lot of art and stuff that are just, I've seen come into fruition because I was like, you two should meet. I like doing that stuff. I don't do it for notoriety or I, and I, I, I don't, don't, I don't do, I just do things that I, I, my number one rule. And I maybe have said this to you when we were talking, but when it comes to making a podcast, everything that was on the network inside up until the end, when my partner started putting shit on the network without telling me that became a point of contention. Um, but I wouldn't, never put anything in the network that I was I would not listen to personally and it didn't have to be something I'm super into um I could just it's just something that I'm it would pique my interest that I would listen to so I think only do stuff you'd be into I I, I think if I was in another time it's hard 1850s all I have uh, I just watched Gangs of New York, so that's basically where my head's at. I would Man, just, I've I, seen that on Netflix a million it's times. A masterpiece. I keep wanting to watch it, but I haven't. It's yet. a masterpiece. Oh God, really? It's, I've never I, seen it, but I oh, want dude. to watch it. I watched so it a bad. month. I watched it a month ago. You need to watch it immediately. It is so relevant <laughs> to right now. You have to I know, watch it. I know, it's so intriguing. Have Had you seen it before you just I saw it, watched it? I saw it over a decade ago, and um, you need to watch it immediately. Everybody it's a Martin should. Scorsese film, yeah. isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah. It's fucking uh, outstanding. It's, it's, it, it's all about... This country was started by tribes that fucking killed each other in the streets, and that's all we are. We are a medieval fucking people with computers. We're medieval towns medieval townspeople with computers. We are a bunch of fucking tribes attacking and, killing, and nothing's <laughs> changed. You need to watch this immediately. It's the, I watched it and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is the most 2018 thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and it came out right after 9/11. Um, so yeah, who I am is is what I choose is is a, is a, what we all are is like I'm a combination of because it's so easy and you have to get very you have to be very careful with declaring yourself as things like um, when certainly when you declare yourself as something it's ne it's needed and necessary. It's, I'm an audio engineer. It's like uh, I had no professional experience. I lied and I I I I I, I knew that I I could learn Pro Tools in a night when I moved here and I did. Um, I knew it was an at-home producer. I knew I could do it, and I know myself enough to be confident enough, but it doesn't mean I didn't fuck up and fail and make mistakes along the way, but um, you, you get what you pay for. I certainly never... I, I worked... I did all, all of Feral and almost all of my work in L.A. for free, um, and I became this thing, and then as soon as I tried to hold on to it, it fell apart. And now I'm some now I'm now I'm something and I'm be something else. And then I'll be something else again and I'll be something else until I'm nothing again. I started out as nothing. And uh, I did some I did something and then I did another thing and then I get to be nothing again. It, it's it's anyway <laughs> it's it's this whole novelty drive thing, this act, the idea of doing the action, that's all there really is, is like every single fucking T V show and movie you watch, and I know this is true because I've 
tweeted it and it's gotten a ton of likes by fellow creatives where I, I hated, I actually refused to work on TV shows. I used to work on web series and I hate holding boom mics. It's my least favorite thing. You stand around for 12, 16 hours. Um, I hate the pace of film shoots. I hate the stopping down. I hate the saying one line and then everybody stands around for an hour and then they do the same line again. I hate how it's not linear. Change the camera angle. It's not linear. It, everybody making this shit is underpaid, overworked. The cost of living in LA is insane. The only reason they do it is because the light is so good and lasts so long here and the temperature is good. Um, and every everything you love... Everybody was miserable making it, and nobody like Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> I'll, I'm I'm gonna end this with this. Um, I didn't reveal to Bob what a big fan I was until very at the end, and he was very like, oh, "Okay," like, uh, but I didn't reveal to him how well I knew his work and all that stuff. Uh, I just didn't. Um, but he told me. I remember. He's. I remember he said he only liked one episode of Mister Show. He's like, I'm only happy with one episode. He's so critical and hard on himself, like to a crippling degree. Um, and I'm so happy for his success. He's so worthy of it. And he's a great mentor. And, and I just think he's the most realistic dude, um, incredibly empowering dude. And to have his approval is rocket fuel. And I, I knew I could do anything. And I know for the rest of my life, I have nothing but an amazing experience with him and forever. I just saw him open for David Cross come to town two weeks ago and I, as I leave LA I got to see my mentors and my heroes and my, my John Lennon and my Paul McCartney perform over time and I'm good um, uh, that's amazing yeah I don't have any desire to for get back in the industry I don't want to work I was in the entertainment industry as a necessity not my thing um, but he told me he loves this episode Mediocrity which is my favorite fucking Mr. Show episode you you'll notice it it's tom kenny plays bob in the beginning where he plays like a very like like hawaiian shirt run-of-the-mill uh comedian it's called mediocrity or it's called something but there's or there's jay J johnson plays mediocrity he's like this giant uh ghoulish 18th century speaking of the 1850s like ghoul that represents mediocrity and shit bob and i was like this guy thinks you know, even the stuff we were making, he was so hard on himself. It's like this guy thinks that he's only made one good episode of Mr. Show. It's like that if that's the case, like we're fucked. It's every it's a masterpiece through and throughout. <laughs> but the the people we don't yeah, get you're yeah, definitely you're going to listen to this and be unhappy with your performance. I would listen to it and be unhappy with my performance. Like no one's ever, and you shouldn't be that nothing is per like, so my whole thing is why I love podcasting and I love being messy. Well, is everything is perfect. That's the thing. Oh, everybody perfect. needs to be perfect. We need perfect people. We need perfect men that say the perfect things at the perfect time that do the perfect things. Men can, men are uh, fucking Anthony Bourdain is perfect uh he died perfect it's like uh, our, our our idea of perfect people um you come to realize are extremely flawed imperfect people life is imperfect there is no it's a it's a balance between these two forces and so <coughs> i like i like messy i like when i get when i buy a painting i want to see like god i want to i like I like really clean, pristine computer art and all that shit too. But I like when I own art, I want to see um, imperfections and I want to see uh, someone's hands were on it. 
Um, and people don't really know this or realize this, but all that artwork, all that cover art, all of those shows, about 90% of that was me and my web designer. Um, I fucking, every pixel on my website, which is gone now, everything I had, every fucking thing, I, I can't draw I have no visual art skills, but I know when I see it. So it was me and my guy going, no, a little higher, this font here. Like, I should just, I want to just release some of our email. I think there, some of our conversations with this very talented visual artist, Steve, and me directing him and just being able to direct people and get, like, until we had it, like, I think we could actually fucking learn a lot by how me and this guy, um, Steve, worked together for six and a half years. Uh, he had all my social security number, all my fucking website information, all my personal information. I've never heard his voice, seen his face. Um, we, I've never worked with anybody better in my life uh, than this guy. We joke that he's an AI. He's a total homebody. Um, so I think the idea of the drive to create, that is all there is. The end product is not... You know, like Alan Watts says, if the point of playing, a, if the point of a piece of music was to get to the end, all songs would be like fast. You yeah. play as fast as possible. Yeah. You play music to. You don't work the piano. You play the piano. Yeah, you are experienced life. All of its ups and downs. All of its good and bad. And it's like. The, if we if we put out this idea in our culture that we're we're victims of the world. And we, if we're, that we're, you can't, you can't live your life as if you're being attacked by reality, because that is most of reality is incredibly ordinary and boring. It's certainly not a fucking vicious hellscape where uh, your government's out to get you and wild dogs are chasing you down in the streets or uh, all this shit. It's certainly not that. In fact, I'd say base reality or whatever it is is incredibly boring. It's it's ordinary, it's mundane, it's slow, and there's that great speech. It's a simulation. <laughs> uh, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> that they're having on a million other podcasts. But um, So I think Novelty Drive, I think you're going to make something really, really cool. Um, I like it. I like talking to you. I think you did a great job. Man, uh, thank you so much. Uh, and thank, man, really thank you for being my first guest or even – a guest because who knows how i'm gonna book the other people it's just gonna be a social media hail mary but seriously thank you so well, much I'll, I'll help you i'll help you with that part too and i'll give you some some tips but i've gotten really uh sort of i've become a total shut-in and I've, I, I've gone days without actually uttering a word out loud and i think i got my talking out of the way and i definitely am looking forward to uh not having to talk out loud for a day <laughs> after this so um but who knows i'll 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 I'll, I'll come back on and before i go to germany um at the end of the month and we'll we'll before i send you on your way we'll 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 do this you'll you'll hear me on the show again before before we stop recording i have two kind of sum up questions for you okay the first one is imagine there's a classroom full of students, college students, and they're taking notes. And the professor is giving a PowerPoint. And this slide is Dustin Marshall. And then there's three bullets. What are those three bullets? Um...
that's the thing is that it's somebody outside of me deciding those bullets, uh, bullet points. Um, if for some reason I objectively or I had some sort of say in them, or I guess what I can answer is my hopes would be, um, you know, Um, Wisconsinite audio engineer producer and then three question marks <laughs> <laughs> I love it and then the second the second question is more of a request really and you may, you don't have to agree to do it you don't even have to disagree to do it I'm just going to request it of you, even though I have no right to do it. And this I'm planning on doing on every episode. But go into the world and use the fact that you are you to someone's advantage that you just randomly come across. That they could not, they could not have been benefited in the same way by meeting anybody other than Dustin Marshall. You're telling me to do this? I'm asking you to do it. You, you, it sounded like you told me to, and I don't like being told what the fuck to do, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, All right, no. Re- All right. It's my request, and All right. you, you can refuse I'll honor it. Your you can ignore it. You can not do anything. All right, but we'll see. that's what I would love, and I'm gonna ask that of every single one of my guests. Oh, I think that's great. Those are great. That's a great parting parting gift. Stick with that, man. Those are great. Great job. All right, that's it, I guess. Well, everybody, that was my interview with Dustin Marshall in the very first episode ever of Novelty Drive. I hope everyone stuck around and listened to the full thing, and if you did, thank you very much for doing so. I left some of the stuff in there that I originally planned to cut out just because I wanted to be honest with what we were talking about, and I wanted to express the fact that I still don't know what I'm doing when it comes to what I need to do to podcast and I'm just playing it by ear so I thought the idea of an experienced podcaster telling me um, what we could do and giving me little tips and suggestions throughout the whole thing would be interesting material to leave in Um, that's all thanks for listening to Novelty Drive I'm Lee Cook goodbye